1: Cover it with Teddy Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid Radio Network. Over the course of the next hour, we're going to talk NBA basketball with Dwayne Bryant at talk Dwayne on Twitter. And we're going to pick his brain. Who are we going to see make a run in the postseason this year? Who can we make money with right now? He does a lot of database research, so I'm excited to pick his brain and he's going to tell us what the database says to do in the NBA down the stretch of the regular season. So looking forward to our conversation with Dwayne, he's a first time guest here on Cover It with Teddy Cover, so uh, we'll see how he does in his debut. But before we get into Dwayne (laughs) Bryant, you know how this business is, I came on the show last week and talked about how I love this time of year in the NBA. I think the words I specifically used were friggin' gold. And talked about how I went 70% in the NBA after the All-Star break last year, a four-month span, and uh, got out to a nice start out of the All-Star break this year. And I believe the, uh, the quote was, If you're paying attention to current form, you will make money. If you're betting against tanking teams, you will make money. If you're betting on teams who must win to improve their playoff positioning, you're likely to lose money. Yeah, all of those are true. I didn't have a great week in the NBA. Sometimes this business, not sometimes, always this business is a humbling business. It just is, you know, <laughs> do I panic if I had a bad week in the NBA? No, I don't panic. You just go back to the grindstone. You betcha did an NBA session yesterday. I got an NBA session set up for later today, and I still believe my premise is correct. This is my favorite time of year to bet the NBA. And this stretch when March Madness sucks all the oxygen out of the room <laughs> in terms of the betting marketplace is a real good time to focus. On the pros so even though it wasn't uh, one of those weeks where I can go yeah kick button want a bunch of money the concept is still there this is potentially a very profitable time of year for betting the NBA and oh my god did you see what the Milwaukee Bucks just were valued at the Bucks just got sold I got a story to tell here about my grandpa uh, Isidore he wasn't Saransky, he was a Baum. Izzy Baum was my grandpa, and he lived in New York his whole life. And apparently, at one point in his life, he knew Ned Irish. Ned Irish was the one of the first founders, one of the founders of the NBA. He graduated from Penn in 1928. He was a reporter in New York. He used to cover college basketball. He ended up making a deal promoting games at Madison Square Garden. And he was one of the big founders, one of the, the reasons why there were two basketball leagues in 1946, and they kind of merged. To become the nba in 1949 yeah <laughs> i understand this is a story from a long time ago it's about my grandpa uh so no we just saw the milwaukee bucks not even a good franchise when it comes to the nba milwaukee's a small market franchise they don't have the tv audience they don't have the tv deal when Giannis leaves milwaukee as he inevitably will one day they're going to be right uh, back in the wilderness where they were for the previous 30 years before he got there. The Bucs were just valued at $3.5 billion <laughs> Okay, uh, when part of the team just got sold to the Haslams who own uh, the Browns uh, in Cleveland, so they just bought a little taste of it. And the franchise, again, not one of the marquee franchises in the NBA, $3.5 billion. So the story goes, my grandpa knew Ned Irish. Ned Irish is the guy that started the NBA. He didn't like Ned Irish. He thought Ned Irish was a racist. He thought he was a loudmouth. He thought he was a drunk. Maybe he was. I don't know any of these things for fact. I'm not dissing Ned Irish. I don't know. My grandpa didn't like him. <laughs> Apparently. Uh, there was a, some... Uh, and my grandpa was, I mean, a straight arrow. You know, I, I don't know the tea. he... He never drank. He never smoked. He was never that kind of a guy. You know? <laughs> um, that being said... The story goes, and I don't know if it's true or not. It's a family legend. The story goes that uh, he was looking for investments to get the NBA off the ground, to get the New York Knicks off the ground. My grandpa got offered uh, he could come up with ten thousand dollars. He'd be a part owner of the Knicks. And I don't know if my grandpa couldn't. I I don't know that he came. I had that kind of money to come up with at the time in the nineteen forties. I doubt he did. Uh, But I know that he didn't want to work with Ned Irish. (laughs) Or that's the way the family story goes. So we did not end up owning a share of the New York Knicks for ten thousand dollars back in the 1940s. Now that the Bucks have sold for three point five billion, my grandfather's decision. <laughs> uh, what are you thinking, man? Oh, goodness gracious! That being said, you're talking to a guy who what was it ten years ago, twelve years ago when we used to play with Bitcoin as something to get money in or out of. Uh, sports books in foreign locales. Yeah, I had to buy a good handful of Bitcoin when it was well under a thousand. Um, I did not save that either, <laughs> and that was a bad uh, business decision on my part because we just used it to get the money in and out of accounts. As soon as you got into Bitcoin, you put it back into cash, and uh, vice versa, you put it into Bitcoin to send it to, to faraway places. So. I too have my own oh I could have been rich scenario could have been super rich scenario that I didn't take advantage of either so I can't be too mad at my grandfather for not investing in the New York Knicks back in the day would have been nice 3.5 billion for the Bucks. what are the good franchises going to sell for it's crazy I mean the Suns (laughs) uh, numbers are insane and note the franchise values across sports NFL, (laughs) NBA, they're doing nothing but going up, up, and up. We're going to see if we can get our bankrolls to go up. Dwayne Bryant coming up next when coverage continues after this.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, Cover It With Teddy
1: Covers here on Sirius XM Channel 159, the Sports Grid a Radio Network with the wheels burning in the back. I'm real excited to bring in today's guest. We're going to talk with Dwayne Bryant and break, uh, pick his brain about the NBA at WagerTalkDwayne uh, on Twitter. And it's his first time here on the program. Welcome to Cover It With Teddy Covers, my friend. How are you today?
2: I'm good, Teddy. And i got to tell you, man, I was truly honored when you reached out and extended the invite, man, and I was, I was happy to do it.
1: Well, I'm happy to have you on. And, here, look, you're, this isn't your you're, – you're no spring chicken in the uh, betting business. You've been doing this uh, for a long time at a professional level, uh, so uh, doing a radio spot, I'm sure, as well within your, uh, your area of expertise. But uh, I always like whenever I bring a guest on for the first time, I like to ask, I call it the superhero origin story. And basically the question is, who is Dwayne Bryant and why should anyone care about what you have to say about betting uh, NBA basketball? So talk a little bit about uh, your background, how you got into the business, how long you've been doing it, why did you pick this as a profession, uh, and uh, talk about some of your career highlights.
2: And I've been betting since I was like 12 or 13 years old. Uh, my godfather got me into it. He used to take me to Penn National Race Course here in uh, Pennsylvania. Of course, he'd have to make my bets for me. I was way too uh, underage to make my own bets. Uh, but that was my introduction to betting. Uh, from there, he had a local bookie he was friends with. And he would take me uh, with to this bookie's house, and sometimes that was on school nights, so when Dwayne should have been home, uh, you know, doing homework and studying, Dwayne was at the bookie's house studying the daily racing form. Uh, but, uh, you know, if it was a Wednesday night, uh, Penn National Race Course would be on the TV at the bookie's house, and we'd sit there and make bets. Uh, my godfather would let me bet a certain amount of money, and if I lost that, I was done for the night. Um, if it was a Sunday, uh, the bookie would bring his portable TV down from his bedroom, set it on top of the living room TV, Uh, you know, because then uh, back then they didn't have flat screens. uh, So you could set a small TV on top of a bigger one. Uh, So he'd have the horse races on the smaller TV and the NFL would be on the bigger TV underneath. And uh, that's when I got my introduction to NFL betting. Uh, My godfather would ask what I liked and uh, he'd bet it for me. Uh, But as a kid, it was just the coolest thing, you know, to just sit in this guy's living room and be able to make a bet And, uh, you know, he'd write it in his little spiral notebook. Uh, And then as I got older, you know, I got into some of the other sports, including the NBA. And uh, fast forward to 2000, I'd been betting for more than a decade and doing pretty well. Uh, So I used some online tutorials to teach myself how to write HTML code. And I actually built my first website myself uh, and started a handicapping service. Uh, Eventually, I got noticed. I was signed to join a company in Vegas. Uh, Got to know a guy named Marco D'Angelo, became friends with him, and then I made the move to wager talk when he invited me to join uh, what was at that time, uh, you know, a new company that he co-founded. And that led me to meeting you, Teddy, and here I am. Uh, (laughs) As far as why should anyone care about what I have to say about betting NBA basketball, uh, I mean, there's so many different ways to handicap any sport, including the NBA. Uh, We both know uh, successful NBA bettors that are big into player matchups and player props. Uh, We know guys who are successful NBA bettors that create their own power ratings and bet based off their ratings. You know, there's just so many different NBA handicapping styles and methods that one can use to be successful. And I think it only enhances your personal handicapping when you can find someone with a different approach that is willing to share their thoughts on a game with you. And you may find that their opinion on the game aligns with yours, uh, which serves to confirm the work you did on the game. Or you may find that their approach has them taking the opposite side as you, uh, which is just as valuable. Uh, So my approach to the NBA may be different than someone else's. and, And even if it's the same, maybe I found something that you missed or vice versa. You know, so it's always valuable to know the thoughts and opinions of a fellow successful better with a method that differs from your own.
1: And that's a really important point. I mean, when I first, when I got hired to do this job for Sports Grid, when I got hired to host a couple of shows uh, a week. You know, one uh, on Saturday, one on Sunday over the weekends. Uh, Mike Cardano, uh, who is, uh, I guess, my boss. It uh, might be my boss's boss. I don't even know. I don't know what his official title is. But he runs the joint uh, over at Sports Grid uh, on a day-in, day-out basis. And he's like, look, we got a million pick shows. Or not a million, but you have plenty of pick shows. I, I, I want a story. I, I want a show where, where guys can tell stories. I want a show that isn't so much focused on picks for any given day and is more focused on the process. And that's always what I've tried to do uh, with Cover It. Yeah, we give out some picks, we give out some opinions, but it's much more about the process than the picks. And that's an important thing of what I like to do here. And it's really interesting to, for me to hear your, your background story where you started betting young because so many of the guests that i have on the show they started betting in middle school they started betting in elementary school they were betting in high school they were bookies in college and i had none of that i mean i really i didn't make my first bet till i was well into my i shouldn't say that but i didn't make it a real bet until i was well into my 20s and i was probably a late arriver to the sports betting table what do you think those early years of you watching, you know, and watching at the bookie's house is even better because you get an idea of who's winning and who's losing. Did you learn from that? Like, what lessons did you learn from the time you spent hanging out with your uh, godfather over at the bookie's house?
2: Well, the first thing that immediately comes to mind is I don't want to be on the same side of a game that everybody else is on. Because it's some, you know, most everybody else, you know, is, is taking a bath. You know, I mean, just like the books in Vegas are, are staying in business. You know, they're they're not staying in business because everybody's cleaning up. You know, more, more most people are losing. Uh, so you know, if I see a game, you know, and I used to sit there, and while I'd be sitting there at this guy's house. There would be a parade of guys coming in and out of their house, this guy's house. Some, sure. Sometimes they would sit and watch the games or the, or the horse races. Sometimes they would just come in to settle up for the week and make their bets for the day, and they'd be on their way. Uh, but, but the one thing I learned was that when I hear the bookies say the same thing over and over again, okay, you want Green Bay minus seven. Okay, you want Green Bay minus seven. Guess what? I'll take Minnesota plus to seven. You know, that, that's pretty much what I learned right there. And it's funny that you say that,
1: my, you because know, I, I got into this business from the booking side of the equation. I was a, you know, a, a college bookie in Ann Arbor uh, at uh, Michigan for a few years before I uh, moved out to Las Vegas. And that's kind of how I got into it. And the one thing that I absolutely learned during that span is you better have a contrarian streak in you. You better not be <laughs> wanting to bet what everybody else is betting when everyone lines up on the one side, particularly for the NFL. I mean, the NFL is like stealing in, in that regard. Is the NBA like that for you? Are you a big consensus guy in the NBA? Do you spend, uh, do you worry about who the public's on or not? I know there was a game, what was it, Thursday night that every single person in the world that I talked to was on the Indiana Pacers laying points at San Antonio, myself included. And of course, they lost by double digits. We're never in the game. So sometimes the contrarian plays do come through in NBA action. Is that something you look at? Is that a part of your process?
2: Um, it's not the be-all, end-all for me, but uh, in the NBA, I definitely you know, have the same approach where I'd, I'd rather be on the contrarian side of a game. Uh, now, again, with the NBA, I'm a big SDQL database guy, so I'm pulling situational data for these games, and nothing makes me happier than when the situational data I pull has me on the contrarian side of a game, because then I know I'm betting, and I'm betting a good amount.
1: Sure. And SDQL is something I want to talk about. Let's talk about it real quick here. We got about a minute before the break. Talk to me about SDQL. What is it? How do you use it?
2: Uh, well, it stands for Sports Data Query Language. And I believe it was developed by Ed or Joe Myers. I'm not, or both. I'm not exactly sure. Um, but basically, you just type in and you have to learn, you know, how to enter the stuff. There's like, you can't just type in a sentence and have it give you a result. Uh, You have to learn the shorthand that the system is looking for. And so you can, for example, pull how a team has done off a double-digit loss when they're going to be at home in their next game and stuff like that. And I do a lot of pulling of that situational data, especially for the NBA, and that's where I get my edges.
1: We're going to talk a lot about the SDQL database Coming up after the break, as well as talking about line moves, talking about side versus totals versus props, so much more with Dwayne Bryant. Bet-ons, bet against, as well. Coverage continues after this.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: We're on your TV, we're on your radio, we're on your phone. Go to Twitter and give us a follow. At SportsGrid, at SportsGridTV, at SportsGridRadio. And stay on the grid everywhere you go. Again, at SportsGrid, at SportsGridTV, at SportsGridRadio. Worth a follow for all three. You can follow me on Twitter at Teddy underscore covers. And of course you can follow today's guest, Dwayne Bryant, on Twitter, at WagertalkDwayne, D-W-A-Y-N-E, at WagertalkDwayne uh, on Twitter. Dwayne, before the break, you were talking a little bit about SDQL, the query system, the database that you use for breaking down the NBA. Talk to me. First night of the season, what do you do? How do you go through this database and come out with bettable opinions?
2: Uh, For the first night of the season, I'm likely not betting anything because I have no current season data to pull from. Uh, The only way I'm involved in a team's first game is if both teams have most of their returning production back from last season as well as the coaches. Uh, Only then will I take the time to go to the SDQL database and start breaking things down. Uh, But a lot of my situational handicapping is based on a team's previous game or previous set of games. So, you know, that first night of the season, I'm usually just taking a wait-and-see approach. Uh, and So, same thing then let, me, let, let me break in and
1: ask you, talk to me about the first night after the All-Star break then, let's say. <laughs> That's uh, what first I was just getting ready to say. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
2: yes, the first night after the All-Star break, it's I'm usually taking a wait-and-see approach there as well. Um, that long break kind of resets everything from my handicapping perspective. Uh, So a team on a hot streak prior to the All-Star break has had their momentum halted. Uh, A team that had been struggling can use that break to get right, so to speak. Um, You know, and as a situational NBA handicapper, that long layoff kind of kills the situational aspects that I'm looking for, uh, because at no other time during the regular season is a team going to be coming off a seven-day or longer break. So
1: let's talk about where we are. Now we're what? We're 10 days out of the All-Star break almost. So what will you do uh, today for Saturday's NBA slate? How would you approach it using your SDQL database?
2: Yeah, so I mean, I'll go through each game. I'm trying to uncover as many strong situational angles as I can find. Sometimes it's obvious early on that I'm going to have too much conflicting data, so I'll just move on to the next game. Uh, But I'll spend more time on a game uh, if it's shaping up that I have some nice situational angles uh, and edges that are mostly pointing one way. And uh, I'll make a play if I feel I have a good enough situational edge, not just based on the winning percentage of those situational angles, but also the margins by which those angles have won by. So for me, I mean, if – and I'm looking for current season recent data, so I'm not concerned with sample size. Uh, And so I'm I'm more, you know – I more like a, a situational angle that, say, is, you know, 4-0 and and covered the spread by 10 points a game. You know, I would like that more than an angle that was 6-0 and but only covered by three points uh, per game. That's kind so of that, how I
1: approach that. So, so the, the the margin of point spread cover or the margin for the total, and totals in particular stand out to me in, in that regard. It's a big difference if a team is 5-0 to the over and they've gone over by an average of four points per game, versus if a team's five and over to the over, and they've gone over by an average of 12 points per game during that span. You know, one merits a much bigger adjustment than the other, and sometimes the markets are slow in in that regard. Agree?
2: I do, and in fact, you know, I just ran into that today, and, uh, you know, a lot of the the games that I looked at today were uh, games where most of the situational data I had was total driven. Uh, There wasn't as much uh, as many good situational edges from a side perspective, uh, most of the stuff I, the really good stuff I got today was uh, based on totals.
1: And let me ask you this, so wh- wh- when, when you're doing it, because I've never been a database, Richard, and you made a great point in the open, talking about how, and this is something I say all the time, if we all handicap the exact same way, there'd be no betting marketplace, <laughs> okay, <laughs> uh, there'd be none because everyone would be on the same side for every game and and, then that would be something of a problem. The fact that we all handicap differently one way or another, you know, what's the old expression? It's not appropriate, but there's more than one way to skin a cat, I believe was the old old expression, and uh, there's more than one way to find positive expectation wagers betting on sports. I've never used a database. I've never there are, uh, now I send my friend who has a database questions <laughs> when I have a database question and I but me personally I never learned the SDQL language and I never went through and found the situation. I find my strength in the NBA is finding teams that are over over undervalued in the current marketplace and just betting on or against them repeatedly until the market's catch up the current form uh, is the uh, key. And when you have a team I don't know, I'm just going to use the Orlando Magic an example because I always use the Orlando Magic as example because there's the best example this year in the NBA. A team that started out there that was awful, they were 5-20 in the first 25 games, and then all of a sudden they get better. It takes three months for the markets to catch up and then you find them, you're cashing 60 65 70% clip over several months span. I love teams like that and that's my approach to NBA yours is different, and somebody else's approach, we have a guest on every week talking NBA, their approach is gonna be different from ours. So the fact that you look at it one way, I look at it a somewhat different way, in my mind that's a good thing, not a bad thing, and when you and I, you you talked about it, when you're looking to play contrarian and you're looking for this side and the D-base spits out something that says, yeah, look at this side, you're like, that's your best case scenario in that regard, and I don't mind at all Uh, if uh, someone else Likes similar plays to myself, as long as they came about it in a different methodology. So let me ask you this: You know, you said you don't worry that you want to play contrarian. You're not overly worried about consensus. Do you worry about the sharp square stuff in the NBA? I find that you know the sharp money in the NBA is all injuries, and that if you're betting on the injuries in the NBA, good luck to you. You'll rip your hair out, and you won't win. Uh, but, you know, do you worry, do you, uh, how do you evaluate line moves? Do you worry about the sharp square stuff? Uh, talk about some of the off-database pieces of the equation that come in uh, to your handicapping process.
2: Yeah, I'm not someone that sits here and tries to figure out which line moves are sharp ones, which moves are just setups. Uh, you know, that's not one of my strengths. Uh, what I can say, is that I do not like to be on the square or popular side of a the game. Uh, there's no worse feeling for me betting-wise uh, than making a bet and then seeing that every other better you come across is on that same play. Uh, that is the kiss of death a lot more often than not. Uh, and as I mentioned already, I'm a contrarian, man. I love being on the opposite side of a game than the majority. Um, having said that, I don't look at public betting percentages and blindly bet against the most popular plays every day. Um, but I do love when my handicapping puts me on the contrarian side, especially if I'm going against a public underdog. I love betting against public underdogs when my work supports it. Um, the average better loves betting favorites and overs, so I love when my work puts me on a contrarian favorite or a contrarian under. And, uh, you know, speaking of unders, I'm probably the only better on the planet that likes betting unders instead of overs. Uh, I've just (laughs) always been more successful with unders. Uh, And the other thing you mentioned, too, about NBA injuries, I mean, I I love it when that injury report comes out and a star player is out and all of a sudden that line starts moving one way because I can almost guarantee you I'm going to bet the other way every time.
1: Well, think of the, the Heat Sixers the other night was the game that stood out to me in that regard this past week, where I, I liked Philly in the rematch after losing at home to Miami, and then oh, Embiid's out, and all of a sudden the Heat are minus four. It's like no, 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 and of course uh, Philly won that game by margin. And that's one good play I had in the NBA uh, this past week at least. Uh, but you know, you'll see that uh, you'll see that happen on a re- and and it's. It's natural human emotion, that, like the markets are saying, well, this player's worth a bajillion points. What's human emotion? All right. Gee, our star player is out tonight. I'm going to get more shots. I better step up my game. And the team with the star player out steps up their game. The opponent goes, oh. LeBron's not playing, Steph's not playing, Carl Anthony Towns isn't playing, whoever you want to know, Zion's not playing, I don't care who's, I'm just looking at random teams, there's someone that doesn't play all the time. The opposing team goes, oh, so-and-so's not playing tonight, it's going to be easy, they let down. So that's your kind of natural human emotion that I think gets in the way uh, of the quote-unquote sharp money betting in the NBA. We've got about 90 seconds for the break, I want to ask you this, sides versus totals versus props. You do all three. What's the best way that you like to attack the NBA board? You said you like playing unders. I like playing unders too as long as I don't have to watch the game. Uh, unders are really hard for me to watch in any sport.
2: Yeah, I, I don't watch a lot either. I'm a score checker, but I can't sit there and watch an under all the way through. It's, it's just too nerve wracking. Uh, I'm I'm not a player props guy. I never have been. It's not my strength. You know, one thing as a handicapper is you all, not just handicapping the games, but you've also got to handicap yourself. Know what your strengths are, know what your weaknesses are and play your strengths. You know, player props is an area that I've never been able to get into. Just haven't had the time. I'm so into the size and totals. Uh, Maybe at some point I'll get into player props. Uh, It's just not where I'm at right now. Uh, So, you know, just because, you know, there's, there's areas that I'm successful in, though, it doesn't mean that someone else won't be more successful, uh, you know, going that player props route. Hmm.
1: But you're someone that also you understand, and this is something that only comes with experience. If you've been doing this for a while, you know how to, uh, we call it staying in your lane. <laughs> you know, I'm not a big props guy either. You know, I don't try, I'm not searching the board for props on a night-in, night-out basis. If I see something that stands out, I'll bet it but I like to stay in my lane sides and totals more with Dwayne Bryant coming up next. Cover it continues.
0: Sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 seven as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more want the edge. Then get on the grid sportsgrid.com.
1: Welcome back, Cover It With Teddy Cover Sirius XM, Channel 159, The Sports Grid Radio Network. And guess what? It is the actionable info part of the show right here, right now. We're going to talk NBA down the stretch, bet on teams, bet against teams, over teams, under teams. If we have time, I'm even going to ask Dwayne who he thinks is going to be the final four in the NBA, two in the East, two in the West, in a year that looks absolutely wide open, man. I was sitting there, like, every day I make two in the East and two in the West, and then the next day I change them. So I'm really interested to see what Dwayne is thinking about, if we have time, when it comes to NBA futures. But let me ask you this, Dwayne. I mean, it's it's the last, let's call it, 20 games of the regular season. We talk about basic strategy in blackjack or in craps or in other table games. Do you have a basic strategy for the final 20 games of the regular season, or is it just... Let's pay attention to what the database is telling us. Or are there things that stand out for late-season NBA that aren't quite the same as early or mid-season NBA?
2: I mean, the only thing that really changes in my approach down the stretch is that I keep an eye on who has something to play for and who doesn't. Has a team been eliminated from postseason contention, and will they start tanking? Is a team locked into a specific seed and therefore likely has little motivation? Um, Is there a team that has been eliminated from postseason contention uh, but can knock a division rival out as well? Uh, So, you know, those additional motivational factors are the things that I'm considering um, as the regular season winds down along with what I uncover in the database. Uh,
1: And for me, like, basic strategy for the NBA at this time of year, I lay chalk more than I uh, do at any other time in the season uh, for many of the reasons that you mentioned. The teams that are done – Man, March is a long month for teams that are done, you know. Uh, So I I tend to, you know, I'm I'm willing to lay 8, 10, 12 in in the NBA much more at this time of the year. In terms of basic strategy for the last 20 games, I like to ride those streaks. And I'm much more comfortable laying chalk with some of the bigger favorites in the association. You got a bet on team or two down the stretch? Anyone stand out to you that offers value right now? You know me, I've been in love with the Orlando Magic for like three months maybe longer (laughs) and I still think there's value with Orlando right now you got a bet on team or two that stands out
2: honestly this is something I don't even think about I mean I'm so focused on the day-to-day handicapping of the individual games so I guess you could say I have tunnel vision in that regard Uh, But it's just the way I handicap the NBA and, 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 you know, with a lot of the situational data that I research, and it's based on teams' previous game or handful of games. So I'm never looking too far ahead. Uh, But having said that, I mean, if I were looking to focus on a team to back down the stretch, I I guess I'd be taking the buy-low approach uh, and not buy-low because a team is bad, uh, but buy-low because a good team hasn't been covering the spread as often as you'd think. Uh, so the odds makers are possibly adjusting to this team, not covering, uh, and that sets up a scenario where we may get some value betting on this team down the stretch. And, uh, the buy low team that comes to mind for me is the Miami heat. Uh, Miami has a winning record, uh, in the playoff hunt, but is only something like 37% against the spread on the season. Uh, last I looked, they had like 11 more straight up wins than against the spread wins. Uh, The Heat were quiet at the trade deadline, uh, so there's no worry about them having to work in new pieces and get a new lineup on the same page. Uh, And they're the seventh seed in the East, uh, last I checked, and uh, they have a slim lead in the Southeast Division. So there should be plenty of motivation there to win uh, and build momentum heading into the playoffs. So I think a team like Miami uh, should be a a good play-on team to close out the regular season.
1: Yeah, the Heat currently, out of 30 NBA teams, they rank number 30 in profitability this year. They have been unable to cover point spreads uh, basically in any role. <laughs> you know, they struggle as chalk, they struggle as dogs. Um, but when you have a team that has gone through three quarters of the season and the worst spread team in the NBA, that is a team that has no betting bandwagon. And there certainly is plenty of talent on um, I, I don't know if I'm, I'm as bullish as the Heat uh, uh, as you are. That being said, there's potential there. Miami and they certainly play defense but you said something that I really that stood out to me that I want to highlight here you said I never look too far ahead I'm tunnel vision on the next day bingo brilliant <laughs> Yahtzee that's the right answer all right the biggest question that I get going around town you know I lived in Vegas now 25 years and when people I meet people around town, they say, hey, Teddy Covers, Teddy Covers, who's going to win the Super Bowl? I don't know and I don't care who's going to win the Super Bowl. That's the wrong question to ask me. The right question is, who's going to cover the spread this week? <laughs> who's going to win tonight? <laughs> but the question you get from the casual bettors is who's going to win? The, they're thinking too far ahead. I'm with you on the tunnel vision. Beating sports is about who's going to win today, not who might win next week. That being said... Give me a bet against team. <laughs> uh, who can we make money betting? I mean, again, this is just this is theory. You know, uh, this is a, the concept of there's 20 games approximately left in the regular season. What team do you think is going to go 40% ATS or less that you can make money with down the stretch? Anyone overvalued right now stand out to you in that regard?
2: Well, I certainly don't think they're overvalued, but, I mean, I think you'll continue to make money betting against the Rockets down the stretch. I mean, Mm -hmm. as long as they're not playing another team that looks to be tanking, you know, they're looking to get that number one overall draft pick. You know, so I see some more ugly games to close out the season for that team. And, yeah, you're going to have to lay some heavy lumber betting against Houston. Uh, But this team has proven that no number is high enough that they can't (laughs) lose by even more. You know, so, I mean... You know, last I looked, the Rockets were at somewhere like twenty eight percent against the spread as double digit underdogs, you know, so I definitely don't have a problem or fear laying, you know, a lot of points against Houston.
1: Now when when you wanna fade a team like Houston, do you play it would you play a first half full game? Do you do a you know first quarter, first half full game, or is it just like look, at some point their opponent's gonna make a run and Houston's not gonna respond, is what they've done all year this year and all year last year. Um, Is that a spot where you're going to kind of hedge your bets and make several wagers uh, against the Rockets or is it uh, you more of a full game better?
2: Yeah, I'm more of a full game better. I don't, I don't really do a whole lot of first half stuff or in game stuff. Uh, You know, usually in the evenings when those games are going on, I'm, I'm busy doing family things. You know, I spend all day handicapping games and running database queries on games and stuff. And, so you know the evening has to be family time, you know, or I'm gonna end up divorced. So, so yeah, so I'm I'm, most, I'm a full game better when it comes to, you know, definitely the NBA.
1: I just realized I should have my wife on for one of these. Like I really should just one time, <laughs> just so she could tell, uh, uh, you know, the football widow stories. Although, uh, you know, you and I are both lucky enough to have someone that uh, find someone that was willing to accept our career choice. Uh, that being said. In my house, we watch NBA every
2: night. <laughs> and if not, we're watching college hoop. <laughs> that, uh, you know, you, you brought up the, you know, well, I guess I brought up the wife. But, I mean, that's, that's actually kind of understated. I mean, because my wife knows when I've lost, she knows it. Because, and I don't take it hard for me, but I take it hard for everybody that I know that followed me. You know, of and course. so I wear my emotions on my sleeves, and so you know that's a good woman. You know, that, to put up with that.
1: Yeah, well, if she puts up with you. She's got to be doing something, right? Yeah. You know? <laughs> but um, <psh. laughs> and my wife, clearly a saint. uh In that. Regard, Boy, I can't uh, wait
2: to meet Mrs. Covers.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, um. Uh, and I'm I'm with you. And look, there, there's no question. If you walk around my house, you'll know if I'm winning or losing. <laughs> you know, it's not. A, you could tell that the, the, if, if, if uh, Teddy's slumping or if Teddy is rolling. And obviously the goal is to be more even killed. In 25 years in the business, I'm way more even killed now than I used to be. That being said, if, I'm the, if I just lost a rough game or something happened stupid at the end, or, you know, everybody in my house knows what's going on. All right, let's talk real quick about totals. You have uh, an over team or two that you want to talk about, something that stands out as an over team or an under team. Uh, that stands out, you said you like betting those unders. Um, who stands out to you in that regard? Anybody? Or is it, uh, is it not really, uh, again, I know we're, I'm talking, we're kind of mixing big picture and little picture right here, but is there anyone that stands out to you right now as a team that maybe they're pacing? Because to me, Dallas it was a big under team. They're not an under team anymore. And I'm looking to play Dallas overs. Um, under team, the Bulls with Patrick Beverly have changed a whole lot in that regard. Uh, and I'm generally looking to play Chicago under. Do you have a team you're looking to play over or you're looking to play under right now?
2: Yeah. So, you know, in keeping with my tunnel vision, I really don't have specific teams uh, in mind as far as being good over bets down the stretch. And I'm not someone that, you know, looks at player matchups and how different players affect, you know, the outcome of the game as far as totals go. Um, But I think situationally speaking, uh, we'll be able to find some good spots to take overs and uh One situational spot that immediately comes to mind uh, is when we have a game involving two teams that have nothing left to play for. I mean, when a team has no motivation, they're certainly not going to be putting much effort on the defensive end of the floor. Uh, And if we can get those teams in a fatigue spot, like second game of a back-to-back or third game in four days, uh, that's even better.
1: Your Rockets, your Spurs, your Pistons. (laughs) Uh, Is Charlotte in that regard right now? Because Charlotte, they just lost their point guard and they've actually started playing defense the last couple of weeks. So they're a team uh, that you might want to play some overs down the stretch. Uh, Or is it, you know, uh, should we we just play Houston, San Antonio, and Detroit? Uh, Or obviously there'll be more teams joining them in the weeks to come. But those have been the three lowest teams in my NBA power ratings pretty much all season.
2: Yeah, I mean, Charlotte, and like you said, more teams, as we get closer to the end of the season, more and more teams are going to be eliminated from that playoff picture. Uh, So more and more teams are going to start packing it in. They're going to start playing less defense and so on. So, yeah, you're going to see definitely more and more teams are going to be qualifying to be good overplays down the stretch.
1: We've got just a couple minutes left here with Dwayne Bryant at WagerTalkDwayne on Twitter. Uh, And I want to ask you, and real quick, You know, uh, I'm not a big future better player, but give me your final four. (laughs) Who do you got coming out of the East? Is the last two teams standing in the East? Who do you have coming out of the last two teams standing in the West? I tell you, I I feel like every day I change my mind as to who's coming out of these two conferences. I'm still calling Milwaukee and Philly in the East. I don't know what to do in the West. I had the Clips ranked too high. Is it going to be Phoenix? Is it Phoenix, Golden State in the West? No, Denver's got to be there. I'm all over the map. Tell me what you think. Uh,
2: in the West, yeah, I would, I would definitely think Denver has to be there. Um, shoot, um, uh, exactly. not Golden State. I not I don't think. What's that? <laughs> I, I didn't hear that.
1: I said, exactly. It's hard. You said they're going, oh.
2: It's something that, that I don't think about. I mean, I would think Denver would have to be there and in the East. I know I mean, I got to believe that it's going to come down to Boston-Milwaukee, and I hate to say that because I live in PA. I'm a Sixers fan, but uh seems like the uh, conference semifinals is about as far as they ever get. Uh, it's, it's hard to say it's not going to be Boston-Milwaukee in the East as far as I'm concerned. Uh, in the West, Denver, and I don't think it's going to be Golden State. Um, shoot. Yeah, I don't really have a good second team for the West. I really <laughs> Memphis?
1: Don't. You know, is it is um, uh, you know, Memphis said that they're, they're, the, they're the, the, the Ja told us, they're the team to beat. So, for what it's worth. Dwayne Bryant, promote yourself, my friend. What do you got going? Where do people find you?
2: Well, you can find me at wagertalk uh, at wt.buzz/db. Uh That page is not only where you can buy my plays and bet the exact same games that I'm betting, but I also post free plays on that page as well.
1: Great stuff from Dwight Bryan at wagertalk.com.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And we're here in the home stretch of Cover It
1: With Teddy Covers. Listen, if you missed any portion of today's program, if you want to go back and re-listen to today's show, Or check out tomorrow's show talking all about Big Ten conference tournament action with my good friend Bradley Schrager. If you want to go back and listen to the archives, what we talked about last week, last month, last year, you can go back and see any show that I've ever done for the Sports Grid Radio Network. And you can download the podcast version. Wherever you download your podcast, just search Cover It or Cover It With Teddy Covers. And voila, they'll pop up. You can download and consume at your convenience. This show and every show I've ever done so I encourage you take advantage of that feature if you like this type of content I'm gonna give you guys a battle opinion uh, before I let you go for today and we got to talk some association I know I know that Dwayne Bryant just came on talking about how he likes the Miami Heat as a potential bet on team down the stretch I don't love Miami right now. I think they're a mediocre basketball team. They're not as good as they've been in years past. Some of the quotes have been somewhat concerning of late as they've slumped since the All-Star break. Tyler Hero gave us a quote saying, we're either going to come together or fall apart. And they've lost since that quote. That's not a good sign. And of course, on the second of back-to-backs, played the Knicks last night, they're facing a Hawks team. Look. Atlanta's pretty good. (laughs) You know, I think Atlanta, you talk about underachieving in the first half. The Hawks are that team, and they've shown signs here since the break that maybe winning by margin might not be what Atlanta does. But on the road, hanging around with Miami, winning this game, I think they can do it. I wouldn't be surprised if they do it going away. When Atlanta starts getting hot, they get real hot from the floor. And Miami just doesn't have that offensive acumen right now. I think the Heat and an overvalued commodity. I'm more than willing to fade them today. Hawks or pass for this better. And that's going to wrap it for Cover It With Teddy Covers here on Saturday. We'll do it again tomorrow on Sunday right here on Sirius XM Channel 159. the Sports Grid Radio Network. Enjoy the games and good luck with all your wagers.